In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. It is good to be back at St. Francis. And David, we were only 12 years old in 1992. I know, I know. <laughs> it seems like it was not long ago at all. Amazing. Your rector is a very close friend of mine. He was a member of my parish in Austin. When he came to me and said, John, I've been to the seminary in Dallas, but now I think I want to pursue ordination to the Episcopal priesthood. Stuart and I got to know each other, needless to say, very well, and I was very proud to sponsor him to go to seminary. You have great clergy in this place. We come together this morning as life seems to be in not slow motion, but on fast forward. Sometimes when I'm on Netflix, I'll hit that fast forward and see all the, the motions. It seems like that's where we are as we live at our lives today. It is June 30th. We're just about halfway through the summer. Where did this summer go? Much less 2019. I still write 2016 on checks sometimes. <laughs> Life is just going very quickly. My grandchildren have been in camp. My granddaughter now for three weeks and will come back next weekend after a month. How has time passed so quickly for her? And I'm sure it did pass very quickly, too quickly for her. We're listening to presidential debates as we think about what's going to be happening a long time into the future. And we listen to newscasts as we listen to weather stories, not only for Houston, but places that don't typically get the weather that we're somewhat getting used to. Time is flying. Time is moving fast. And as that whirlwind that we heard in our Old Testament reading, as that whirlwind seems to engulf us, we ask ourselves, where do we fit in all this? What is happening in this world? We wonder and we wonder. A few minutes ago, David lifted up words from our collect reading, our collect prayer, that said, make us a holy temple, make us a holy temple acceptable to God. A holy temple. How do we do that? How do we become holy and how do we become acceptable to God and how do we become lovers of one another and lovers of ourselves? How do I live out my life on this June 30th, 2019? How do I live my life acceptable to God? In our reading from Galatians, we hear the familiar words, to love our neighbor as ourselves. If we're in the first, uh, right one, eight o'clock service, we hear those words. As we say our, our uh, confession, we say we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. How do we live our lives loving our neighbors as ourselves? Paul also puts into the Galatian the beginning words, the beginning words that talk about freedom, that Christ came into this world to set us free. And how do we put that freedom and that love together about loving our neighbors as we are free? Does free in our lives mean doing my own thing? 
Does free in my life to be completely free? Do I do my life, hand, handle my life, live my life, not worrying about it, how it affects anyone else? How do I live out my life on this June 30th, 2019? Do I live it loving my neighbor as myself? Loving my neighbor as myself. At my son's rehearsal dinner the night before his wedding several years ago, a young man stood up to give a toast. And I knew that young man well, and I was not really expecting a lot from him. I liked him a lot, but I didn't expect anything that I would be preaching about today to come out of his mouth. But as he stood up, he started to talk about relationships. He talked about loving and having a loving and a lasting relationship. And he challenged my son and my about-to-be daughter-in-law to have that type of relationship that was both loving and lasting. He is still their friends, and he is checking on that, I'm sure, on a regular basis. He advised my son and daughter to have that lasting relationship and to have a commitment in their marriages, marriage and to do one more thing. Let the more loving one be me, is how he ended his toast. Let the more loving one be me. And if you will look at my prayer book in the inside cover, that night I wrote in my prayer book on a sticky pad, let the more loving one be me. Because I need to be reminded of that as I live out my life, that in a relationship, if it's going to be a loving, lasting relationship, I need to be able to let the more loving one be me. Can I do that? Can I actually live in a relationship with you, with my wife, with my family, with others, and be the more loving one? Can I try to go through my life trying to outlove you, to outlove my wife? to have a loving, long-lasting relationship. I think as that young man challenged my son and daughter-in-law that night, he had, I think, the right suggestion. But if our relationships with our family, with our spouse, with our children, with our parents, with our coworkers, with our friends, could even come close to let the more loving one be me, think about how this world would be if we live that kind of life. Let the more loving one be me. But Paul says we are to be free. And often what we do in our relationships, we hang on to something that has happened in the past. We hang on to a word that was said in haste. We may hang on to a slight that we feel like that our spouses or our loved one has done to us. We hang on. But I believe what Paul is also talking about when he says, love my neighbor as myself, is to let go of that past and to be free of that past and to truly be able to love and give of myself to out love, to allow that more loving one be me. But how do we do that? We let go, but I think there are other things that we might try to do, and I give four suggestions. One, 
be present to one another. I think all too often in this world that we live in today, we are living in loneliness. I think if there is an epidemic going on in relationships in this world, that people are lonely. All too often we spend our time during the day on our cell phones or our computers. Between the services, I got an awful reminder telling me that I had spent an average of three hours a day on my cell phone last week. Not talking, but reading articles, reading emails. Three hours. I was shocked when I saw that. But I have seen other notices like that that had a lot more time than that. We go to a restaurant and we'll look around and there'll be a couple sitting across the room and they'll both be on their cell phones texting or emailing others. I doubt if they're texting the person across from them. But they're not present to that person. They're too busy communicating with someone else. Sometimes we look at a family at a same restaurant and that family, all the family members will be on their devices looking at a movie or looking at the Astros or looking at something, but not communicating with each other. We must be present to each other to be able to live a life where we're saying that our commitment is to let the more loving one be me. Secondly, we may be there across from the other person, but we may not be listening to that other person. We may just see a talking head across from us and be thinking about our day, be thinking about what I'm going to say next, be thinking about I wish she or I wish he would be quiet so I could say my story. All too often, we live out our lives. I was married, I've been married twice. My first marriage, after we were going through a divorce, I told my wife, I said, we communicated. What happened? It seemed like we were doing everything right. We were talking to each other. And she said, John, yes, you were talking to me. You were telling me all about your day. You were telling me your ups and downs during the day but you never listened to me. You never asked me about my day. I try not to let that happen again. We need to be present and to be able to have that relationship that is one committed to the fact that the more loving one be me, we must listen to the other person and not be thinking about our own whatever. Third, to touch one another. My father-in-law, who was a great man, passed away 23 years ago. And he was someone that he would walk in the room and people would just gravitate to him because he was so outgoing and my brother-in-law is just like him. And my mother-in-law says, you know, it's not all of the talk and all of the the stories that he would tell that I miss the most. What I miss the most is that human touch, holding his hand, getting a hug, kissing, being there with him, touching one another. We miss that human touch. 
ourselves. We miss it. When I was in seminary, the rector of the church where I was uh, placed during my, what they called field work, went to the hospital the first time that, that I went. And he went with me and we sat in the car beforehand. And he said, now John, I want to tell you something. If you read the scriptures, every time Jesus went to someone to heal them, someone that was sick or someone that may have passed away already, he touched them. And they were healed. I try to remember that when I go to the hospital to visit people. But I also want to remind myself and to remind all of us, we crave that human touch. We crave that human interaction that can be expressed so clearly by just touching someone's hand or touching someone's shoulder. I know in today's world, it seems that you must ask permission to do that. But I do pray that we have not gotten to an extent that we can't just touch someone's hand and allow our love for that person to come through. Fourth, be kind to one another. We can be present. We can be listening. We may touch that hand. But if we're not kind to each other, to the other person, how are we communicating our love? A very close friend of mine passed away about six weeks ago. He was 93, and he loved to talk about people that he knew in his life and people that he comes across, came across at that time. And he always described people as that they were kind. He asked me to preach at his sermon, at his funeral, to preach about kindness and how important that is in our relationship with one another, to be kind to one another. He went to a school, a prep school up north, and in that prep school, St. Paul's School in New Hampshire, is in their prayer, is a prayer to be kind to one another. Are we kind to one another? We may be present, we may be listening, we may be touching, but are we kind? When I talk to couples before they get married, I ask them, how do you receive love? I ask you, how do you receive love? Do you receive love by someone saying, I love you? Do you receive love by someone touching your hand? Or do you receive love by receiving a card in the mail that says, thinking about you? Or some flowers? Or a gift? A gift at an unexpected time? How do you receive love? And how does your spouse, your children, your parent, your friends, how do they receive your love? It's through kindness that you will communicate that love in a way that's not possible in any other way. To be kind, to be present, to touch, and to listen. Can you imagine what Houston, Texas would be like if we lived out our lives that way? If we were living out our lives saying and meaning and doing that I want the more loving one be me. That I'm loving my neighbor as myself. Can I do that? Can we build up a life that is truly a temple acceptable to God? In Galatians, Paul says what it's like to have a life like that. 
And he says that you would truly have a life filled with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I want that life. I want others to have that life. I want to be present. I want to listen. I want to be able to touch. And I want to be kind. I challenge each of us as we go into the rest of this summer to think about that in our own lives and to realize that we are free to drop the other, drop the bad, to move forward in love and let the more loving one be me. Amen.